Hello, and welcome to Church in Maine, the podcast at the intersection of faith and modern life. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Church in Maine is a podcast that looks for God in the midst of issues affecting the church and the larger society. You can learn more about the podcast, listen to past episodes, and donate by checking us out at churchinmaine, all one word, dot org, or churchinmaine, all one word, dot substack, dot com. Consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. That helps others find this podcast. On this episode, I get to talk to the Reverend Beth Pierbold, a fellow native Michigander who has a unique ministry on the social media platform TikTok. Now, TikTok is a unique video platform. It is where all the kids are these days. But can it be a place where ministry happens? Can it be a place where people can discover God? For Beth Pierbolt, an ordained Presbyterian pastor, it is a place where it can happen. She believes that, and she has developed our tapestry, a ministry that is entirely online and tries to provide a presence in what she calls spiritual deserts, especially for LGBTQ populations, giving people access to pastoral care, faith formation, and loving community. Beth started our tapestry while she was associate pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Michigan, but is now located in Denver, Colorado, where our tapestry is a new worshiping community through the Presbytery of Denver. In this interview, we'll learn about creating spiritual community through platforms like TikTok and Discord, and what this means to communities like the LGBTQ community that have long been shut out of the church. So, let's listen to this interview with Beth Pierbold. Well, thank you, uh, Bethany, for taking the time to chat today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, and it's fun to talk to a, a, a fellow Michiganian or Michigander, even though you're out in Colorado. Oh, dear. Oh, I got, you got a little bit frozen on there. Okay. Let's see. Um, okay. I got... I guess ask again. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, no problem. Yeah. Well, again, um, well, Beth, it's nice to, to um, have you on the podcast, and um, fellow, and also to have a fellow Michigander um, to chat with. Yeah, it's glad to be here. I'm, I mean, I I've missed Michigan. Uh, now I'm out in Denver, um, but yeah, it's always good to reconnect with the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, Kind of out of curiosity, did you grow up in the Detroit area? Yeah, so Metro Detroit, um, up in like Highland, Milford area, mm-hmm. okay. went to Michigan State, um, then came back to the Metro Detroit area, was in Southfield on Nine Mile, the last okay. the last place I was at. So yeah, East Side. Yeah, and I grew up in, in Flint, and um, actually I also went to Michigan State. So Hey, go green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go white. <laughs> So I think one of the things I wanted to to chat with you about, which I found interesting, is that you kind of started um, a unique ministry in Michigan when you were an associate pastor at a church there um, that has kind of carried with you um, to Denver. And um, would love to talk about how did that start? What is that all about? Um, Kind of what what was it like when you started um, back in Michigan? And how has it evolved over the, over the last few years? Yeah, absolutely. So um, September like 2020, I started making TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. Some of the kids in my youth group were um, talking about the content that was on TikTok. And 
it was like emotionally manipulative and all about hell and behavior. And so I was like, well, send me the videos that you see and I'll like respond from my perspective. Um, and then I started making other content and it just kind of caught on and people really wanted to hear that um, progressive gospel message, um, social justice focused. And uh, people were always asking me like, well, how do I get started? You know, what what would books do you recommend? And so I would say, well, there's this great book by Marcus Borg, uh, how to reading the Bible again for the first time, taking the Bible, reading the Bible seriously, but not literally. Great book. And then um, on TikTok, you can do this thing where you go live, where it's essentially like my face and then comments coming in. Um, and then I talk to them and a bunch of people were like, hey, I got the book. I got the book. And I was like, well, why aren't we doing like a study with it. Like, why don't we all read it together? So I had a sign up for a Zoom meeting and we met once a week and went through each chapter. Um, I actually did two cycles of that because there were so many people and I I wanted to be able to see everybody on Zoom. <laughs> so I didn't want to have like people on the next screen. Um, so I did two cycles of that. And at the end of it, they were like, what are we doing next? I was like, oh, okay, um, let me figure out, you know, what what we can study next, what we want to do next. Um, and that just kind of started this like weekly Bible study thing. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that was happening around the same time in those TikTok lives was I was seeing the same people come into my lives. I was going live maybe once a week at the same time. Wasn't really announcing it, but I was seeing like people, I could see the same screen names coming in. People were commenting. People were say, you know, saying, Hey, you know, prayers for my mother. And then the next week they'd say, you know, Hey, mom's doing great, you know, and doing those checkups. And I was like, that's so like sweet that like these people keep coming back, um, that they're sharing their life story. And then one night we had someone come into the live who was like, Hey, this was my last day. I, life is not for me. As a pastor, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know where you are to even offer resources. Like, all I can do is give some affirming words and, like, mm -hmm. just try. And other people in the comments section were doing the same thing. Um, a couple of people, like, realized where they were. Like, I don't know if they, like, went to their profile and, like, found their – I don't know. But somehow they were like, hey, I live four hours away from you. Um, let's meet for coffee. And I was like, these are strangers on the internet responding to a stranger on the internet. They've never met this person before and they probably will never interact with this person again. Like why, why are people caring so much? That night I was all like fretting all night, right? Like what, what, what should I have done? Whatever. The next morning I went to their um, account and they had posted a video that morning. And so I just went to the comment section and said like, so proud of you. I'm so glad you made it through the night. So glad you're here. And other people from that live had also done the same thing woken up, gone to their profile, seen the video and made a comment. And mm. that was kind of my like, oh, this is, this is happening. Like the question of if community can happen is not the question. The question is how do we facilitate it? Um, sorry, I think I lost you again. There you are. <laughs> um, yeah. So that those two things kind of happening made me realize that there were lots of people that really wanted something. Um, my question for a lot of them was like, why aren't you finding a church? I tried to connect them with the church. A lot of them were like four or five hours away from uh, an affirming church. And so as I realized that the theological deserts within our own country are so vast, I was like, these people deserve something. You know, they want to have faith formation and they deserve to have access to a pastor that's going to affirm who God has created them to be. And so I just was like, okay, <laughs> we started doing one-on-one -on -one pastoral care uh, as I got to know people one-on-one -on -one from the Bible studies. Um, and then we went back, started going back in person, right? So that was spread way too thin because I had my youth and mission in person thing. And then this thing that I had started online um, and I realized like there's there's a group of people who are graduating seminary right now who are more than happy to like take on the role that I have of this in person, but there's something happening with this digital stuff, gifts and talents that I have that this is, this is unique. And this is what I really feel called to pursue. Um, PCUSA has this thing called 1001 new worshiping communities. Mm -hmm. So I started looking for a partner 
just trying to find someone, you know, maybe part-time pastor that, you know, they, then they would let me do digital ministry the other part-time or a mid-council of some sort, just trying to figure out what I can do. And in Denver, they, I think they already had like 10 new worshiping communities um, and they were starting four more in an incubator concept. And they had money to support the four leaders for three years um, and, you know, professional support and, you know, this encouragement. And I was like, okay, they really understand new worshiping communities. So let me apply um, and interviewed. And they said, yeah, we'd love to support this and let you do this full time. So for the first time in my life, I moved out of Michigan uh, and came to Denver. And that's just what I've been doing, continuing that process, making content um, on TikTok, uh, Instagram, YouTube, uh, doing Bible studies, doing uh, one-on-one pastoral care. We have a Discord channel, which is like a chat room that mm-hmm. we have a couple different like themed chat rooms, a general chat room, um, some spiritual like places that people can play music, kind of be in a chapel kind of area, um, daily devotionals through that. And right now we're messing around with different worship styles. You know, what, what does that look like? How is that different from our study time? You know, so just kind of playing around with that. And the, every step of this evolution, like every six months, it's something different than I expected. And so the way that it has grown is always listening to what people are wanting and what people need. Um, I, you know, have a vision for what this can be, but I have to keep reminding myself that the way that we've gotten here is by listening to people say like, hey, I would like some kind of worship, not Sunday morning, you know, not maybe in the afternoon, maybe it's something I can watch on my own time. Like listening to what they're saying is what is really inspiring me. And I've met people who have wonderful ideas about digital ministry. I'm messing around in the metaverse, in virtual reality, um, and people just have great ideas. And I love to be able to say like, let's do it. You know, under the umbrella of our tapestry, which is the new worshiping community name, let's let's do it. Um, and I think a lot of people with their creativity really just need that. Like they want to do it. They have this great idea. They just need someone to say, OK, we're doing it. Call me back in a week. You know, <laughs> so it's been really fun to be that kind of catalyst um, to other people's creativity and also be able to be a pastor to these people who do not have access, um, did not have access during covid found churches, but then churches went back in person. And I understand not being able to do both. Churches are low on resources. But then all these people that finally found a community and a sermon that they could listen through without rolling their eyes or feeling inadequate, like, yeah, these people still want to develop their faith and want to, um, I call it declutter faith. You know, we talk a lot about deconstruction. Um, but I call it declutter. I'm like, there are really good things in there. They're really I valuable like that things. Description better. Yeah. And like some of it, we just need to move to the other room. Some of it we can trash, you know, and so we we talk a lot about decluttering our faith. So, you know, early on when you started this, what were most of the people online kind of from in and around Michigan or, or were they from all over? So the way the algorithm works is like Eastern time zone. So yeah. And okay. really even to this day, most of my stuff is Eastern time zone because I was there for two years, mm-hmm. you know, scrolling. So part of my work, which is awesome because I get paid to scroll on TikTok, is to like go around to different places here in Denver where I know like my people will be um, and kind of just scroll. And so tell the algorithm like, hey, Rev Bethany was here. Other people that are here may also like Rev Bethany um, and try to reteach the algorithm. I have a, I have a couple a handful of people on the West coast. Um, but for the most part, they're, they're in that Eastern time zone. Uh, but we have a East coast and a West coast Bible study. Um, so two different times East coast, we meet at 8 PM Eastern and then the West coast, we do 7 PM Pacific. Um, the, the West coast ha- hasn't really populated yet. You know, there's, it's like those Bible study. You got five people signed up and like two, one, you know, it's, it's just like in-person Bible study, you know, 20 people sign up for it. By the end, you've got five coming, you know, it's like so much of what I've been doing. I've been like, oh, it's just normal church stuff. Like it's just online. 
So I think something that you've said early on was that um, you felt that you had the gifts to do this. And I think one of the things that I think we're starting to learn is that not everyone has the gifts to do this type of, of digital ministry. And and actually, there are different digital ministries out there. Yeah, there um, really are. So what are the gifts that you felt you had to, to do this specific ministry? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the content, um, I have honed my spiritual gift of like sass. So I can be kind of sassy and kind of like respond. I think Jesus was super sassy too. So like I've honed that gift of like, I'm going to respond to you in a way that is civil, but it also points out the absurdity of what you just said. Um, I had someone comment the other day that like, Jesus said this in Timothy. And I responded back like, Jesus doesn't say anything in Timothy. You know, like, you know, like this kind of like, hey, I just want, I want to give you a little bit of a teaching moment. Um, but also, why did you stop? scrolling to write this thing on a female pastor, like, come on, guys, you know, Christians, come on, let's, let's be real. Um, but also to be able to be funny um, so that people learn about scripture to do different sounds and different skits of Bible stories and people being like, oh, I never realized that that was, you know, kind of the vibe that was happening around, you know, whatever that parable was. Um, so with that kind of thing, I feel like I'm really good at translating like what our traditions are, and then put it into the language of social media. Um, so that was a really, a really big thing. Um, I have a fairly like, like the, the, the haters and the, the, the trolls get to me sometimes. Absolutely. And I've had to adjust how I deal with them, but I think I have naturally uh, kind of a thick skin or like I can very easily be like, I don't care what you think of me. Like, you're not my friend. You're not my boss. You're not my family. Like, it really, you have no impact on my life. So I can kind of fluff that off and be like, okay, I don't really want to listen to them. So that's another gift of like being able to be centered in who I am, even though people come and attack me. Um, I think also um, because I can be so, like, I call it stubbornly calm. When those people come in, I get comments on my page all the time of like, you have so much more patience than I do. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, and in my lives, people will come in and say, you know, you're going to hell and repent. And I am able to be like, just stubbornly calm. And people are like, wow, you handled that so well. And I think that for people um, to see how you can respond to somebody. Um, a lot of the ministry that happens is in the comment section and me just showing like, hey, this is how I would respond to this thing. And then people are like, oh, great. When I go to Thanksgiving with uncle so-and-so, now I have something that I can bring up and say back that is firm, but also loving and civil. Um, so being able to, in the face of all of that, stay really, really calm. Um, I think another thing that I have is I, I mean, I'm a millennial, I'm an elder millennial, they say, but what I'm a millennial. And so digital stuff is kind of normal for me. Um, the idea of sitting and talking with a bunch of people online feels very similar to talking to people in person. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like painfully extroverted. So a lot of the times it's like, I can't believe I'm a digital pastor. <laughs> like I don't, I'm never in person with people, but I really do get my battery filled even just through like these kinds of interactions. So being familiar, um, understanding and honoring the experience of people online, um, recognizing some of the benefits, like there's some studies that show that people are more vulnerable online or faster online than they are in person in communities um, mm. and focusing on those uh, aspects has really helped me to be like, okay, this is, it's, it's not, you know, real versus virtual. It's, you know, online circuit versus in-person physical, like it, it's the same. It's real. It's good community happening. Um, so yeah, I think those kinds of gifts are something that I've really been able to hone and pull out of me and, there was a, those aren't things that were taught to me in seminary. Those are just who I am. Um, and it's a great feeling to be doing ministry that's just as you have been created to be. And I like, I wish that on everybody <laughs> that you find that little niche of like, this is just who I am and yeah. it's working. Yeah. <laughs> well, I find it interesting that your ministry, and it would make sense being that it's 
on things like TikTok or Discord that you're probably going to get some pushback. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, but that's also different for a lot of ministers because, you know, that's not something that we are used to doing. Whereas in kind of in, in kind of digital spaces, that's the norm. I mean, I think one of the things we like to say is stay away from the comment section and right. <laughs> saying, well, that's where the ministry actually happens. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's always been something that I believed in. I was always very frustrated with, you know, PCUSA churches or progressive churches that are affirming who aren't flying flags in June, who aren't mm -hmm. being open about it. And I'm like, you have something special. This is what makes you special. I get that we're afraid, you know, that half of the people are going to move away or, you know, leave. That has happened to so many churches. But I think our strength is who exactly we are. And to be unabashedly that has always been something I've wanted. Um, so this is a space where I can absolutely be that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when I was coming up with like metrics of how to like measure success of this ministry, hate comments is one of them. If I'm not getting a lot of hate comments, I'm not engaging with the right conversations. Um, and I'm not reaching into the places where I want to start planting seeds or, you know, have those discussions. So I, I want to have that back and forth. Will I delete comments? Absolutely. Will I turn off the comment section sometime? Absolutely. Like I have my boundaries and my limits. Um, but actually just recently, last week, I started seeing a couple of my followers get to the comment section before me and start answering to the trolls and the and the haters before I even got there. So I'm like, they're starting to learn to stand up for what they believe in and have the words and have the strength to talk back. And that anonymity is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. They can try this on. They can try on these words and being bold about who they are. Um, and it's safe because they can turn off their computer. Um, you know, yeah, you get the people in the basement who are just commenting for fun of it. That's, you know. Um, but also I have I had youth when I was at Michigan that had gone through confirmation with me, youth group every single Sunday, never asked me a question ever. When I started making TikTok videos, great questions. Like there's that they, they were behind that screen. They were safe. You know, they had a, a screen name, so they were able. I knew who they were, but they were asking me amazing questions. Like one of them was, uh, "Why does the church have such a, a weird history about sex? Like why does the church?" I'm like, great question. You know, and this is coming from a teenager who, in person, would have never said anything like that. Hmm. Um, so the anonymity is really great. It also comes with its curses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, one of the things that in talking about online communities, and I think you talked about this earlier, you know, the common criticism would be that they're not real. Yeah. Um, and I think there's always been, especially as of late with social media, people tend to, view it in a well let me put it this way when i started kind of getting into this 15 years ago everyone thought social media was the best thing in the world and it was going to solve world peace and you know cook us dinner or whatever and now everyone thinks it can't do anything right mm -hmm. um and so how what is your response to people who say basically that this is not worthwhile or that it's not real community um and to, you know how do you help them to see that yes there is real even if it's not in person or physical yeah i mean my first question back is always like so what is community and mm. i think that is something that digital ministry is forcing the church to look at to say what does it mean showing up for you know one uh rummage sale every year and fighting over you know, the room that you want to work in, is that community? Like, does that work? Or is community in a chat room where someone's having a bad day at 10 PM and they go, Hey, I'm having a rough day. And they've got five people who can respond in the next three hours, whether it's day or night, like what is community? What really makes up community? Um, you know, I hear a lot about like, well, but you can't bring 
you know, people uh, meals when they're sick. You can't visit them in the hospital, like all those like in-person kind of ministry things. And uh, I tell them, well, I can send them meals because there's this thing called Uber Eats and DoorDash that I can send them gift cards and literally send them food. Um, and so I can um, also uh, like if someone's in the hospital and wants spiritual care and their options are not affirming, then I can make a phone call and at least it's something like there's some kind of spiritual care that is happening for those people who live in these zip codes that don't have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I think a lot of my answers are like, we're not talking about like getting people the best of the best. We're talking about give them something. They mm -hmm. have nothing right now by focusing on our brick and mortar churches and putting all of our resources in that we have abandoned siblings in these zip codes who desperately want community. And so that is what we work for is, is trying to figure out how can we give as much community as we can through these digital spaces. Um, you know, the discords, people chat. I know some of them have shared um, text messages, um, especially like moving out here to Denver the difference between how I interact with my family and friends back in Michigan and how I'm doing ministry is the same. We're text messaging, we're calling, we're, you know, sending pictures, we're on social media, liking different things. Like, so it's all the same. And I would say that that is all community mm -hmm. that I feel just as supported here as I did in Michigan. Mm. A lot of the people that you are connecting with, are they, are they in areas where they may not be able to find a, a kind of a good faith community? Um, I guess in a way that they aren't finding those resources, that this is really one of the ways, the only ways that they can really kind of engage and, and really connect with the faith. I think it's a combo of a bunch of different things. Yes, I definitely have people who are living in places where the local affirming church is going to be an hour or two drive from them. Um, I also have people who are actively going to church, uh, affirming churches, but they're smaller churches. And so they can't do Bible studies all the time. And actually, one of the pastors I talked to, uh, they were, one of them was like, oh, I, I won't invite people from my church. I'm like, well, let me talk to your pastor because that, you know, pastors can get weird about that stuff. And when I talked to this pastor, they were like, Yes. You know, I'm supposed to be a quarter time here. I can barely get worship together every week. I can't do Bible study or it's Bible study or pastoral care kind of just choices. So I was able to offer them a Bible study so they could free up some time for pastoral care because their people came to the Bible study online. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that where like they do have an in-person community that they're going to. Um, also, there are lots of people who the idea of walking into a church building is terrifying to try and trust, to try and give that, you know, that little bit. They have been so traumatized by the institutional church, by church congregations. Um, many of them have said to me, like, I never thought I would go to a Bible study again because I'm never setting foot in a church, church again. Like whether it's in the, a strip mall, whether it's an old, you know, tabernacle, like I am not ever going to feel safe and comfortable in those spaces. And so, great, I have a space for you that's not going to bring that up, that's going to allow you to uh, heal, ask questions, figure things out. Uh, some of them uh, have also stepped into a church after, you know, being in our Bible study for a little bit um, with like help of like, Rev Bethany, what do you think of this church? And I look through the website and I'm like, okay, I think that's a good one. You can go to that one. Um, I think last Easter, there were 11 families that I know of that went to a church service on Easter for the first time in years mm. from our tapestry. And that's only people who like commented and said to me, hey, we went to church today. So being able to, I think of sometimes it's like a triage, <laughs> like, okay, who is like really hurt? Like what, how can we heal you? What can we do? Can we get you into community? Uh, do you want to stay here with us as like supplementary to other things? Like there's a lot of different reasons that people are attending um, our tapestry. So if some someone were, let's say, 
interested themselves in doing a digital ministry, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think I think the digital ministry uh, is very focused on um, like what you do best mm-hmm. um, and who your people are. So a lot of things, especially like TikTok, people are like, why are you on TikTok? Well, that's where my people are. That's where people are, period. And so thinking about, you know, where where are the people that my community, uh, where are they? The people that I think I'm going to be able to reach, where are they online? Um, what kind of things are they lacking? Uh, what kind of things do they just want more of? And start to gather some people um, and mm-hmm. listen to who they are and what they are. Every person in every social media niche attracts different people. Like there are lots of progressive pastors on TikTok, but we make slightly different content. And so it attracts different kinds of people. There's the pastors that make more like heady theological like comments and, you know, debates and things. And that attracts the people who want more of that like heady theological stuff. And then, you know, there's other people who just make the same, you know, LGBT God loves you stuff. And that attracts, you know, another group of people. So whoever your your people end up being as you are gathering for this digital ministry, um, listen to to who they are and what they need. And that's going to be the most valuable way for doing this. Um, I think a lot of people will go to like, well, what camera do I need? And what, you know, background do I need? And what, you know, you don't. I have, I have made all my videos on my iPhone uh, and I make them all, most of them in TikTok. I use Zoom on this computer with this level of light and, you know, camera. Um, will I eventually maybe level up? Probably just because some of those, you know, better software things just will make my life easier <laughs> um, and take less time. But other than that, like quality, it it's not necessarily the thing that's going to get people. It's going to be your authenticity. It's going to be who you are and what you're saying and how you're you're loving on people. Yeah, that actually brings up an interesting thing about because we, you know, there are different things that we talk about at different ages and actually eras. I guess what I'm trying to get at. And one of the things that seems to be an important thing in this time that we live in is authenticity. Um, how important do you think that has been, that is to ministry and not just digital ministry, but ministry in general? Yeah. Uh, millennials, but like even more Gen Z have really great BS radar. Like they know when you're putting on something or saying something that you're just trying to get, you know, attention or, you know, being performative about mm-hmm. your allyship or whatever they, they can spot it. And so, you know, social media, I know a lot of churches will try to do a social media page that is the church. And some of them have been really successful, but social media very much is who are you and how can you let people into your life and see like who you are? And so I think social media, especially, uh, is a place where you really have to be honest about who you are, what you do, um, what you think, so that people are like, okay. I trust this person. They will tell me the truth of this. They're, you know, willing to be open to who they are and and who I can be. Um, so I think that authenticity is on social media is really good. In person, going to be the same way. Um, you know, if you're you're saying one thing from the pulpit and then doing something differently in the hallways or even outside, like that is a that completely breaking point for most younger people like they want they don't want they don't want a pastor to be on a pedestal mm-hmm. they want a pastor to be real to struggle with these things they want to know that this person can relate to them and actually help them how are you going to help me if you've you know never said a swear word you know like they're they're like I don't I don't care about that stuff so they really want a pastor that is a person and they're willing to give a lot more grace than some of the older generations are um as far as not being on a pedestal. Like they're like, yeah, I, you know, I expect you to screw up 
One time I had a, a, a digital thing, a digital problem, and I couldn't get it to work. And I was like, oh, my God, all frustrated. And I got like so many messages the next day. I'm like, that was so cool to watch you like struggle with that because you're a digital pastor and like you still have to learn things. And I was like, yes, great. That's what I meant to do. <laughs> so, you know, we've been kind of dancing around on this issue, but when we kind of use the word about affirming and I think. You know, one of the things I've noticed about your ministry that is that it has been one that has tried to reach out um, to LGBTQ um, plus communities. Um, kind of what has been your experience with that? And, and how has that, how have you been able to kind of connect with people who either feel alone or maybe have been estranged from the church because either of their sexuality or gender or whatever? Um, what has been your experience? Yeah, I mean, the message that one side of Christianity is putting out there is super loud and has not been refuted or even challenged loud enough. And so a lot of people have literally never heard an interpretation of some of these scriptures that people throw out there that is not the way that people like non-affirming people are going to say that, that it is um, a lot of them haven't even experienced a pastor. That's like, well, what do you think? Or like, well, what about that question? Or like, let me, you know, they have never had discussion about scripture. It's always been, here it is. Here's the interpretation. Here's what you do with it. Goodbye. And that's the the breadth of it. And so um, a lot of people are really, refreshed and encouraged just to have access to that mentality. Um, it is interesting for me to be, to have this platform and be like so obvious and open about my beliefs um, because it, it can be scary, right? Cause there's not, you know, a consensus even in PCUSA of, you know, what's the right belief or whatever. Um, and so looking for jobs and things, I'm always like, okay, Yes, I am super in your face online and very like firm in what I say and what I believe, but I speak many theological languages and actually am better at it because I've engaged with people online and seen where they're coming from and heard the whole argument that if someone is not quite there yet, I'm more than willing to say, great, tell me about, you know, what you're seeing in the, in the scripture, what you're believing, what you're experiencing from God. And let me see if I can like, maybe just show you a little bit more of what you've been able to experience. Mm -hmm. um, I don't expect all churches to be like there tomorrow. There is a huge discussion that needs to happen. Um, but I think the most frustrating thing for me is seeing Christians getting more and more of a reputation of being hateful and exclusionary and using the scripture that I love that has saved my life in a way that is literally killing other people. And to not stand up for that, to not say, this is not what the scripture is saying, or at least it's not the only thing that it says. Um, that's the most frustrating thing, how different our definitions of love have turned out. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it boggles my mind sometimes, you know, it's just like, how, where did we separate the idea of love? Why do we think it's our job to make everyone repent? Why is this? I, someone, uh, well, Someone uh, called me fat the other day, and it happens every day in some fun way, lots of different words. And uh, and I said, well, you know, Jesus said, you're not supposed to judge people. And they were like, well, I'm not judging. I'm just telling. And I was like, that's, that is absolutely what a lot of people think. They don't realize that in telling someone something about themselves that they think is wrong is the judgment. <laughs> like, we have lost that definition. Um, and so being able to interact with people who do carry a lot of religious trauma and have interacted with these toxic theologies 
um, has really made me realize how important theology is, how it affects, like even the idea of, you know, are humans innately uh, sinful or are we all very good? Like, did God say we are? That little theology completely changes the way you pe- you treat people, and we need to talk more about theology. Um, and focus more on that. Like, yes, Jesus loves you. That was a great message. We got that. Jesus loves you. Now we need to go a little bit more about like, how do we then put that love into the world? I think we've lost a little bit of that. Um, and these people that I interact with haven't just proven to me how how wild some of these churches have gotten. Um, some of their experiences are just like um I have one person who has uh, uh, like a walking disability, and there was uh, they were in a church that did these plays, and every year they got cast as the drunkard because they limped. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I I have gone to conservative churches. I grew up in the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, but I haven't experienced those kinds of things. And the stuff that I've heard about purity culture, it's just like. Oh my gosh, I feel so grateful I was protected from a lot of that. So now what do I do that I'm getting these people coming to me and saying, hey, this is what I was taught is real. I'm like, okay, now we have to unpack this and figure out what what has happened and and mm-hmm. how you can even move forward uh with this this trauma. Mm-hmm. So in dealing with kind of all of these different channels, I mean, you've been on TikTok and Discord, and um, I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm kind of at that where it's, I understand most of social media, but up to a point. Um, and so, you know, I've used a little bit of TikTok and, and everything, and um, Discord is a new one. Um, I have not used that as much, but that one, there seems to be, especially among kind of millennials and younger, that seems to be kind of a big, big thing right now. Um, for those of us who are older and still kind of scratching our heads, how would you describe um, Discord and what has your been, how how have you experienced ministry there? Yeah, so Discord essentially is uh, the next evolution from group chat. Okay. So we have those group chats in our t- our phones where they the notifications go off all the time and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, it's my group chat's blowing up. Um, and so my ministry did have a group chat when it was really lo- younger. And then we started getting more people. We also got people who didn't want to share their cell phone number. So I was like, okay, how can I create a group chat um, so that we can keep having these conversations? And so Discord is the place where I uh, – ventured. I did not know anything about Discord. <laughs> One of my people was like, I know Discord, I'll set it up, I'll put everything together. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like they're the ones that moderate and they are like the the main person who runs it. So it's like, cool. Uh, and I could just call them and I'm like, hey, I want something to do this. And they're like, hey. Mm. Um, so that's been wonderful. Um, so you don't necessarily need to know everything about every platform. I will say like the same thing, like if your people aren't there, like don't go there quite yet, like until you actually have that need. Um, but essentially, there's a, a, a main channel for all of us for our tapestry. Then we'll have like a general tab and you can click on that and it'll just be conversations back and forth. You can reply, you can do the emojis, you can send, you know, everything that you can do on Facebook and all the other ones. Um, but then we have one that's the daily devotional. And so that's the one you click on. You can go in and you can read through the devotional. If you want to say any comments on it, you can. Um, and that one I have set up so that after like, I think a month it starts to go away. So it doesn't get too crowded. So those things start to to rotate off. Um, there are channels where you can go in and talk. Um, so you can have like a talking channel. You actually can do most of what you do on Zoom in Discord. Um, I just haven't transitioned my people over all the way to that. Um, there's places where you can play music. Um, you know, if I'm sitting at home and working, I can go on my Discord and share my playlist. And so people can kind of like work with me or like be with me and listen to the same music I'm listening to. Um, we did a study about hell and I showed a documentary. And so I was able to send that documentary out 
to my people and we all watched it together and we were able to be in the chat chatting back and forth um, while the movie was going. So it is, you know, it's, I saw someone, someone um, explain it to me as like monastic life. You are just able to be together, always available to each other, but you don't have these notifications coming in whenever you're able to sit down and read and chat. If you're having something going on, you have a place to, um, you know, release that kind of, you know, Hey, I got this thing going, my, you have to put my dog down, whatever you can put it out there, um, and get it off your chest. And, and it's, you know, 24 seven life. Well, it's good to know that that's not a one that there are people out there who do know it and can, you know, set it up for you. But, um, yeah, that, that helps. Cause I've, you know, I think people talk about it and I'm kind of like, okay. And, yeah. um, so that's kind of sounds cool. So I, I know um, we're time limited, but I, I wanted to I kind of in your final question is what are the dreams that you have for this minute for tapestry? Where, where do you think you see it going in the next few months, maybe year or so? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had someone ask like, what, what would be the best outcome? And I'm like, um, just for people to know, that God loves them and thinks they're worthy. And I'm like, Oh shoot, it's just regular evangelism. <laughs> like just, just baseline. <laughs> um, you know, that, that essentially is, is this the goal that uh, I, there's this thing that happens that they say is bad when someone like, like bombs you where they go through your account and they like all your videos. Like they watch all these videos and they click like, and they scroll and like, they say that it messes up the algorithm, but I love it because when I see that happening, when I see that someone came into my, account last night and liked 50 of my videos or 10 of my videos. Like that is someone who an hour ago did not or was not sure that God loved them. And now they are sure. And that is what my content is there to do, to make them laugh a little bit, get them a little, you know, a little bit of sass and to make sure they know God loves them unequivocally. That is the goal of all that kind of stuff. I would say my kind of secondary goal is to be a resource for the church. Um, there's a lot of really small churches that are not able to maintain um, even a part-time pastor, but they're wonderful communities and they're doing great work in their communities. Um, and they just have to like find this pulpit supply or in the PCUSA, someone to moderate session. And I'm like, I'm digital ministry. I can go anywhere. I can show up on Sunday, preach, Monday, run your session meetings, and then do my digital ministry the rest of the week, get in my RV, if I had an RV, and <laughs> go to the next town. You know, it's like that circuit preacher kind of thing mm -hmm. that, you know, Methodists used to do. Like that, I think we have an answer, if we look into the past, of how we can make sure that all these churches have a pastor that is accessible and open to them. So if people want to contact you, obviously... I usually always ask this question. People want to contact you online and I will ask yep. that again because people <laughs> may definitely want to contact you online. Where can they find you? Yeah. So uh, most of the um, threads, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, it's Rev Bethany. Okay. Uh, and then my email is revbethany1 at gmail.com. Um, our tapestry website um, is up on my all of my profiles. You can click in through that. Um, rev-bethany.com like that's rev put rev bethany into a search engine and hopefully it'll come up and if it doesn't let me know so i can call google and be like hey <laughs> i did actually want to say i'm i checked out the um presbytery of denver webpage for all their new faith communities and i have to say i'm impressed of their willingness to kind of experiment with new ministries because I feel we need more of that. Yeah, in, in we just had like a gathering mm -hmm. of not just in from uh, Colorado, but like nationally. And there was a, a dance studio that is a new worshiping community. And they they also have a, a worship um, uh, worship dance class. Uh, there's a group that has a paddleboard shop, and they do like paddleboard lessons, but also um, some like yoga and other spiritual things that, that their customers can get connected to. Um, there's uh, people who hike and then do uh, like make sandwiches to go out to the homeless. Like 
that this idea of like, we don't know what the church is going to look like tomorrow. None of us have got it or will get it, but we can find a piece of this puzzle. Mm-hmm. And together, we can make sure that the future of the church is going. And I think the last, our last general assembly, they were showing like, you know, all the numbers, statistics and stuff. And new worshiping communities was the only number that was going up uh, in mm. all of the like um, attendance and participation and membership stuff. So people want something different and it is still church and it is still worship. Um, I think that's another question that these ministries are making the church ask is what is worship? Mm. Can it be a hike through the mountains? Does it have to have a hymn? Does it have to have confession? Does it have to have the five movements? Like, let's let's really talk about this. And I think these new kind of ways of thinking um, are going to force us to have to really understand what it is to be community and what it is to worship. All right. Well, Bethany Pierbolt, thank you so much for taking the time and um, definitely blessings on, on your ministry. Thank you so much. I appreciate talking. All right. Thanks for taking the time to listen. As usual, there are links of interest in the show notes related to this episode with Beth. Check them out to learn more about her ministry. That's it for this episode of Church in Maine. Remember to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app so that others can find this podcast. And consider donating so that we can continue to produce more episodes. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Godspeed. And I'll see you very soon.